Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm going to be devoting this whole month to how to be happy now. I'm going to be talking about how to stop negative thinking, how to start positive thinking and hardwire happiness into your brain, how to avoid those mistakes you've likely made in the past when you've tried, you know, positive affirmations and thinking positive thoughts, and what the steps are for living happily in your now and how to make these changes and keep them for the long haul. And of course, all the research to back it up. So get ready to say goodbye to the negative thinking treadmill and hello to a welcome cycle of happiness and peace. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a number one Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 30 years of experience helping people create connected and happy relationships. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in your relationship today. So let's get to it. Hey, how's it going? I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and you're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. You already know that. That's like when you call someone and they tell you what number you've reached. You're like, I know I've reached this number. I just dialed it. Anyway, uh, (laughs) so I'm really, really, really excited. I have to tell you, this month is going to be incredible. If you are new to the podcast, get ready. Buckle up. If you've been with me for a while, thank you. And buckle up again, because I am going all in. I just, you know, 2020 has been kicking everyone's ass and I am pushing back. That's what's happening. And I'm going to be giving you the tools to push back yourself because it's so important. Enough already. Enough. I am saying enough. I'm putting a stake in the ground and saying from now on, we're going to be living differently starting right now because all the outside circumstances are not about how you feel and you are in control of how you feel. I'm going to teach you all the ways that that's true this whole month. And it's going to be great. So uh, before I jump in, I do want to mention that my people didn't know this, that my book is on Audible. 
Uh, be happily married even if your partner won't do a thing. It is. I'm very proud of my book. It is meant for anyone in a relationship, even if your partner is working. Maybe they are doing stuff. That's great. Uh, the two of you can read it together. Either way, it's it's got actionable tips, all the research, you know. And I really condensed it in a way that's helpful. So, and with Audible, you know, you can get the book for free if you haven't signed up. You just sign up for Audible. You get a free three month trial. You get these free books. So you can literally get my book for free. That's what I'm telling you to do. Uh, Go get it. You can always cancel your subscription after that. Um, But I would really want you to get all in on what I got going on. All right. So here we go. So this week, I'm going to focus on why you have negative thoughts to begin with. I've talked about some of this in different ways, but I'm really bringing it all together in a very cohesive way today. Because what I find is that I talk to people about this stuff, but they don't really believe it's possible. They don't really understand that they're, how their brain works. So they think I'm either blowing sunshine up their butt or that I'm some Pollyanna or that you know, I'm really different. You don't understand. I have depression. I have this. I have that. I just, I can't help it. Uh, I hear all kinds of stuff. And I'm here to tell you that you can change it. Absolutely. Your baseline might be different if you are severely depressed or something, but uh, the research I'm going to be sharing with you and these tools absolutely have been used on people who have depression and other mental health issues. So, uh, and if you don't have a clinical depression or just having maybe a situational one, you know, with all that's happening, uh, for sure, for sure, you know, so depending on where you start, uh, you'll be able to raise your level of happiness. That's really what we're about in your day-to-day feelings of satisfaction and love and all the good things um, right there. So. Uh, today we're going to go into the real reason you have negative thoughts and then two things you can do about it. You know me, I'm always about the tips and the tools. So we're going to go deep and then we're going to go specific because that's how I roll. All right. Now, you got to really understand how and why you're built. And as I've mentioned before, we are running on what's now faulty hardwiring. That's what it is that we haven't evolved past yet because uh, relatively, we're very new here. And I've mentioned this before, we got the earth about three and a half to four billion years old, depending on who you talk to. Mammals started showing up about 200 million years ago. Then you've get your f- first primates around 60 million years ago. And now little old homo sapiens, uh, that's pretty much us, have been around about 200,000 years. But really some form of, uh, I don't know what they call it, humanoid maybe? <laughs> I'm not an anthropologist. Uh, you know, it's been around millions of years, right? But our closest ancestors about 200,000. And so we have practically just showed up when you put us in context of the billions. We're just barely here. We're just barely around. Uh, and that's what I, you know, really want you to think about. I had someone say to me, uh, and, uh, an anthropologist actually say to me, it's like we humans are on welfare and, you know, there's billion, you know, there's trillionaires, you know, like <laughs> it's the difference in gap of that. Uh, it's really huge. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dive right in right now. So you probably know that your human ancestors lived in uh, small hunting gathering groups, right? It wasn't common to meet strangers back then. You lived in a small little tribe, this small little group. And when you did meet a stranger, it was often dangerous or even deadly. 
so get this statistic. On average, about one in eight men died in conflicts between groups way back, right? Hundreds of thousands of years ago, even millions, compared to one in a hundred men who died in the 1900s in wartime. How do you like that? Get that? In war, in active war. So your chances of dying were way higher uh, back then. And if you saw someone you didn't know. So we learned quickly to focus on the bad instead of the good. Again, our lives were in peril a lot of the time. Uh, author and neuropsychologist Rick Hansen, who I love, and I'm going to, um, I've been stalking him to come on the podcast at some point, but uh, his books are incredible. I've read everything. I've gone to see him. He's just brilliant. Uh, he uses this great metaphor when he talks about this particular topic, about focusing on the bad and the good. He talks about carrots and sticks. I've mentioned them on the podcast before. I'm going to mention them briefly now. So, you know, basically carrots were the pleasurable or good things we had access to way back when. And they were, so having sex, pretty much it was having sex or killing something to make for dinner, you know, having water, <laughs> having food. That was kind of it. And carrots are great, but if you missed one way back when, another opportunity likely came along. If you missed a chance at sex, if you missed killing the bunny rabbit, whatever, you likely could kill another bunny rabbit another day or have sex another day. But sticks, they were all the bad things in the environment. Mainly, they were pretty much all things that could kill us. So, you know, animals, other, again, tribes or clans, you know, basically, if you missed one of those sticks, you were dead. You you were not going to get to have a carrot ever again because you were dead. So as you might imagine, over, you know, millions of years of evolution, we learned to pay extra special attention to the sticks. So we didn't die. Yeah, so we didn't die. We learned to react to the sticks quicker. We're more sensitive to sticks and we feel more intensity with sticks than we do with carrots. Okay, all of that happened in the brain. Uh, Hansen says your brain has a hair trigger readiness to go negative to help you survive. Okay, because you can see from this carrot stick thing. So that it evolved, your brain evolved to have this very strong negativity bias. I've talked about the negativity bias before, but I really want to explain things a little more right now. So, so believe it or not, even when you're feeling calm or happy, you think you're okay, your brain is still scanning the environment for threats and and maybe a you know possible danger, something coming its way. And here's the big problem with that. To your brain, life and death threats are the only kinds it knows. And so it includes anything. It includes arguments with your partner, uh, disagreement with your sibling. Uh, if you're focusing on a coworker at work who you think is, you know, doing better on a project or maybe taking credit for things at work, something like that, any disappointment or frustration, uh, and really the idea of anyone taking anything from you, whether that's your partner, credit for something, something physical, uh, the list goes on and on. And as you can see, right, it doesn't feel like these are emergencies, but your brain treats them as one. And I, I mean, if you just thought of yesterday, there were likely a dozen things that your brain thought were life and death. You know, when you were annoyed that your plum that your uh, partner asked again if you'd call the plumber. <laughs> uh, so even when you're calm, there's a subtle anxiety, a subtle worry, an unease, a feeling of feeling of separation from others, just just brimming below the surface. And I've talked about these ratios before. Uh, basically, 
in life in general, there's a three to one ratio. For every three bad things that happen, uh, good things that happen to you, when one bad thing happens, it cancels out. Uh, that's the work of Barbara Fredrickson and many more. Um, the in a relationship, we've talked about this. Got John Gottman, marriage researcher, talks about a five to one ratio. For every five positive things your partner, or whoever does, every one yucky thing they do cancels it out. That's that negativity bias. It's very skewed, right? It, it's very skewed. So because of the way we've evolved, our brains respond more intensely, again, to these to the yucky things than to the equally happy things. So really the bad carries more weight than the good in your brain. Um, it's kind of like if you, if there's someone you really like, and they do, or maybe someone you're in a relationship with, and they do something that does that feels uh, sketchy. <laughs> it can really ruin. You can you you might even break up with them over this one thing. It will ruin all the ways you feel about them. You'll wonder, oh, what else don't I know? What else have they been lying about? You know, we really go down this road, right? But if you know somebody who you don't like very much, <laughs> and they actually do a nice thing, they do something nice at work, maybe or somewhere you don't give them much credit for it. You don't suddenly go, oh, wow, they're really a great person. I was, I, I had a, a wrong view of them all this time. You don't. So do you see what I'm talking about? You give all this weight to when a bad thing happens, but not a lot of weight e or certainly not equal at all to when that good thing happens. We, this is how the brain works. This is how it's set up. I know you're sitting there right now going, oh yeah, I do that. Uh, <laughs> so the basically the bad takes over so much more relatively than the good does. Um, and I want to talk about this, just give me a minute, you know me with my science, but I need you to understand this little progression. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want you to understand it. There's Because there's basically three parts of your brain that are responsible for really what's an overreaction. You're overreacting. You are. You're overreacting to the negative. You're not overreacting to the positive. You're overreacting to the negative. And that's your amygdala, which I've talked about so much. Uh, your hypothalamus and your hippocampus. And I want to tell you just again briefly, promise, stick with me, how they work together. So let's say you're having an argument with a friend. So you're talking to a friend and you guys get into it about something and you start to feel anxious or upset about it. Maybe it's just a disagreement or something, maybe something bigger, but you get the yucky feeling, right? You're friend being angry at you, or maybe they pointed out something you didn't do right or something they're having an issue with, or maybe they were criticizing you, that feels like a lion attacking you, a, a tiger jumping out. That's what it feels like. Your brain doesn't know the difference, remember, between a real emergency and an unpleasant situation. It treats them the same. It treats everything like an emergency because of this hardwiring you have. So your friend's upset, you know, they're they're upset with you, that activates your, your amygdala, uh, that, which triggers this alarm in your head. And that's that fight, flight, or freeze response, right? We've talked about a lot, so you know about this. Now, so that alarm from your amygdala, that signals this other part of your brain called your, called your hypothalamus and your sympathetic nervous system, okay? Which again, I've mentioned before, but I'm just going to be clear about it in a quick way right now. So it sends out, basically your hypothalamus is sending out a call for all the stress hormones. <laughs> That's what it's doing. It's turning on that, you know, so that fight, flight, or freeze is turned on and anything related to needing to run from the tiger or stand and fight the tiger, bad idea, or freezing and hoping that the tiger doesn't notice you and you just stay really still in the bushes. Any of that, it, you know, you get a lot of uh, different 
neurons fire and, and neurotransmitters and hormones are released and all that good stuff. So you, And basically your hypothalamus is the one that tells everybody that, calls out. So that you get stress hormones like adrenaline, that is one, cortisol, norepinephrine, you know, your heart is beating faster, your stomach drops out, you feel shaky maybe, you don't want to eat, you might even start to sweat. I've talked about all this stuff before, right? All that's happening. Then your hippocampus, this other part of your brain, is tracking what happened. Okay, here's what my friend said. Here's what I said. Uh, here's how I felt about it. Here's how they felt about it. And it, and it, what it does is it consolidates all that stuff into a memory so that you can learn from it in the future. That's the idea of the brain, right? I, I need to remember that this clan attacked me so that next time the clan walks up, I don't think they're here for a cup of sugar and to have, you know, to hang out. I think they're here to kill me. So it, you know, wants to have that. Now, I'm going to come back to this in a minute. So we end up with like a snowball effect from this or a domino effect, if you want to call it, whatever. So over the course of your life, each negative experience you catalog that you ruminate over, you know, you think about, it makes your amygdala even more sensitive to anything negative. So the more you rest your mind on negative, the more your uh, brain, the the pieces of your brain. So remember, your brain and your mind are different. Your mind is really the thing. I know it's trippy, isn't it? It's kind of trippy. Where's your mind? Uh, those things that you think about and your brain is that actual meat, you know, the, the physicality of how that works and what gets fired and what, what happens, right? And so over the course of time, all those negative thoughts make you even more sensitive to negative thoughts, which means that just about anything that comes up that might have been not negative before is negative now. Now we have even more negative things to prove ourselves right. Do you see that it's a snowball, right? It's a, it's a snowball effect. It gets bigger and bigger. And remember how I just mentioned all those stress hormones that are activated by the hypothalamus? Well, now these are flowing into your system and they're strengthening and stimulating that amygdala so that that fire alarm in your brain will now go off more easily and gets louder and louder all the time. I know it's unfair and it's how it happens, but as if that isn't bad enough, that's the reason I told you about these three pieces, as if that isn't bad enough, the, that cortisol, that stress hormone that's flying around your body, when it's in your brain, it overstimulates the cells in your hippocampus and that weakens and eventually kills the cells in your hippocampus. And this means that this part of your brain, you literally are changing your brain. It starts to shrivel and shrink. So your thoughts are actually changing. We call this neuroplasticity, are actually changing the physicality of your brain. I really need you to get this. It's a big deal. And you care about this. So, you know, you're thinking, well, why do I care if my hippocampus is shriveled? Who cares? Well, you care about it because this is the part of the brain that puts things into perspective. <laughs> this is the part of your brain that also calms down your amygdala so it'll stop triggering the hypothalamus to signal all the stress hormones. These three work together. So you can see as that thing shrink shrinks, you're in trouble. It's harder to have a real, a realistic perspective on what is happening. That's why it seems like even more of an emergency now. You get even more upset. You have even more of a hair trigger response to something that maybe in the beginning of a certain relationship didn't get you as upset, but now it makes you crazy. You see red. And 
and you're not seeing it clearly because your perspective is altered. You don't really see what's really happening and everything seems like it's going to hell. You ever have that where it just seems like it's all going to hell? It becomes much harder to see the good happening. And what I say is you're basically seeing your world through poop-stained glasses. That's right, poop-colored glasses. That's what you're looking at. You're looking at shit brown through those lenses, uh, and that's the problem there. You end up feeling anxious, depressed, stressed, overwhelmed, uh, certain of impending doom. All of these things come to bear, and feeling all this makes you more vulnerable and more susceptible to feeling it again tomorrow, even worse, even more intensely. Are you getting what, are you picking up what I'm laying down? I need you to hear this. (laughs) This is why I'm Jewish mothering you right now. I, I can't stress enough how unhealthy and how indulgent it is to have all these negative thoughts and to think, well, there's nothing I can do about it because you're really making it worse in the physical parts of your brain and we have to stop this. So, and again, I'm going to teach you that, but I need you to get that you have control here and that you are damaging yourself by allowing the thoughts and we have to stop them. So you really need to listen today and all month. Okay. So. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The and again, this rel you know evolution is slow evolution and we haven't been here that long and it's biting us in the butt. So we tend to think the worst. And there's something I want you to think about here also that if I was walking out of my my hut 100,000 years ago, I should always have looked for a tiger, right? Every time I walked out of my hut, I woke up, stretched, got up, and I would peek out, kind of hesitate a little and look around and make sure there was nothing about to try to jump out and eat me, right? Or anything bad going on outside. That would be the first thing I would do. And I would do that every single day. And if, because if I missed it, remember, sticks and carrots, if I walked out of the hut one day and didn't think about anything being around, I and something was there, I would likely die. Now, of all the, let's say a hundred times I walk out of the hut, there's probably only once or maybe twice that there's actually a tiger there or something dangerous. But it doesn't matter because if I miss the once or twice, I'm literally dead. So my brain becomes this, I, I have this setting, this default setting to worry about those things, right? To, to, to this negativity bias is hardwired in. Okay, it's hardwired. 
and we're in a modern day brain, but it's still there. So now I'm, what's going to happen is that I'm going to overestimate the threats that are coming at me. I'm overestimating them. I'm checking every single time I leave the hut and I'm underestimating my resources um, and opportunities. Isn't that crazy? So, and, and I'll tell you this, there's even a part of your amygdala that prevents you from unlearning fear, especially fear from childhood. That's how much this is there to keep you alive. Uh, and and I'm going to quote Rick Hansing, my idol again. He says that as a result, we end up preoccupied by threats that are actually smaller or more manageable than we'd feared, while overlooking opportunities that are actually greater than we'd hoped for. And he calls this whole thing paper tiger paranoia, like basically. But I, you know, I need you to understand why it's there because it is there for good reason or it was there. But in our current life, in our current world, it is not there for good reason. And and this is the, really the thing you have to get clear on. So because, I want to get to the tips in a minute, but, you know, because of how our wonderful brains have evolved for survival, <laughs> um, these, anything that's distressing, uncomfortable, embarrassing, or that we perceive could be embarrassing, these experiences are burned into your memory super quickly. The positive stuff's not, by the way. That's a whole other, I'm not going to go all into the science behind that, but it's not. You remember something you dislike more than what you like is basically what happens. You learn faster from uh, a pain than a gain, that we know that. You can easily lose trust, right? But it's much harder to regain that trust. Uh, And that's how it works. So, and this would all be well and good, I guess, that we just operate this way. But there are three reasons that that good stuff then doesn't stick with us. Unless it's something super intense. If something super intense, super new, really different, really novel, really stands out, um, it won't, a positive thing won't have a staying power in your brain. And so basically for three three reasons. One is you overlook the good stuff because your brain is so busy trying to either avoid the bad stuff or fix it, you know, real or imaginary, right? You're thinking, well, if this happens, then I'm going to do this. And if this happens, I'm going to do this. It's not even something that's happened. When Number two, when you do notice something good, you don't feel it. Um, it's, it's, it's a fact, it's a fact in your head, but not an experience. And when there's no strong emotion attached, it doesn't get hardwired in the same way. So let's say you finish a big project at work finally, right? But then you move on to the next thing that you've already been stressing about likely, by the way, right? Without acknowledging in a real way, the big accomplishment you just had. I see you. I see you. Uh, I remember when my kids were babies and I got that first smile or the fir- or those giggles. It fills your heart to bursting. You almost can't stand it. And, you know, these days, if I don't stop to think about it, I let all those laughs, all those smiles move by with really hardly a second thought. Again, I'll kind of notice them for a minute, but they don't really get in. They're not they don't become an experience of it. It just becomes this thing, this fact, this, you know, oh yeah, that's nice. And we need more. And then the third issue is that unless you consciously stop and savor a good experience like that, like my kids laughing or something, it gets stored in the brain. Um, Again, I don't want to get too technical, but basically the same way as you remember to take out the trash. It, it just gets stored with all your regular memories. It doesn't get stored with the r- really important ones. And so it doesn't help shape your brain. It doesn't lay down stronger neural networks or memories. 
So again, all this month, we'll be working on turning your quote unquote, you know, natural tendencies around, right? Uh, and I'm going to take the time. I'm taking the time right now to teach you this so you really understand that you really need to be diligent with new behaviors and habits, but that you absolutely positively can turn around your negative thinking and become, uh, well, let's become positivity generating machines. Why not? Let's go for that. But that you really have to, you really got to focus on it. You got to think about it. You have to, you know, be in that state. So here are, I'm going to go into two tips to make that happen. Here are two tips to make that happen. And of course, I have a little gift because that's how I roll. So, and I'll tell you about the little gift when I'm done. Um, It's something I'm really excited about that I'm going to, you can do in just a few minutes a day to help get on this right, quote unquote, right track. So tip number one is to turn fine into a feeling. Okay, so what kind of what I just mentioned, you're again, you're because your negativity bias, it is heavily weighted towards your survival, but weighted against, heavily against a good quality of life. Your physical brain is engineered to keep you away from peace and calm, and we need to get back there. So, the best thing you can do is to shift your brain towards. Uh, you know, good mental health, a fulfilling life, is to regularly take in the good stuff. Consistently and repeatedly, taking in the positive experiences will make your brain what we call stickier for good stuff. Remember how you become really oversensitized to the negative? Well, you can become stickier to good. That's the good news. And this in turn increases the amount of positive things you see, which will make your brain even stickier. And again, so now we're getting into that upward momentum, that positive momentum uh, spiral upward, as Barbara uh, Fredrickson calls it, uh, as opposed to this negative downward spiral of negative to negative to negative. So uh, getting into, so, and this is the mistake people make. They try to get into kind of this good mental state and that's good, but you need to install it. You need to rest your mind there for a minute. You need to savor it. I talk to people a lot about, you know, uh, pretend you have a butterscotch in your mouth. You know, when you're, when you first put that butterscotch in there, it's so good. You know, a little butterscotch hard candy and kind of rolling it around and you you savor it for a minute. Often we close our eyes and, you know, you're, you start to salivate more and you're really like, oh, this tastes so good. I haven't had butterscotch in so long. I love this. So I need you to get a butterscotch in the mouth. I need you to savor these good, quote unquote, good things that are happening uh, much more. So, and it's way easier than you realize. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about how to find good things to savor really quickly. I, People are like, well, I don't know. I am only see the bad, whatever. No. Right now, there are good things all around you. In any given moment, you have good things. Right this minute. Right this minute as you're listening to me. But you're bypassing them. So I want you to look around yourself literally right now for something that's beautiful. Maybe it smells good. It's appealing in some way. So, uh, well, obviously, you're listening to me right now. And gosh knows I'm appealing. Uh, so, So, but... Maybe uh, this information helps you feel more calm and reassured. Maybe you're listening going, okay, wow, oh, I get why I'm like this. Oh, it's not just me. I'm not alone. Everybody does this. And that means that all the people I see who are happier, calmer, whatever, I can do, they're like me. So they're doing something different. So I just need to do something different too and I can get there. And maybe that makes you feel more calm. And so I would ask as you're listening is to just take a moment, you know, 
close your eyes, not if you're driving, but just savor it. It's a butterscotch in the mouth. Like, oh, I really do in this very moment, I've stopped thinking of everything else. And in this very moment in time, I feel calmer. I feel hopeful. If I'm doing my job right, you're feeling hopeful. I feel more relaxed. And just savor that for a minute. That's it. Not even a whole minute, a few seconds. You don't need a lot of time to kind of install it you know, to kind of bring it in. Uh, If you're sitting in your home right now, maybe there's something on a shelf that if you really noticed it again, it would make you feel happy or comforted. Uh, You know, I have a, there's a jar in my house on on a shelf of seashells that my family and I've collected. Whenever we go on a trip, we add, we just only add a few. It has to be like the most beautiful seashells in the world. They have to be really special because otherwise, obviously we'd have, you know, too many. Um, And we just add them in there. And so sometimes I'll just look at that jar. And I remember one of the trips we took, you know, and and finding the seashells and what it was like. Sometimes I take one out of the jar, just one. And I think about something like my daughter finding it and giving it to me, whatever. But, or the, you know, you've got pictures all over probably. What does that picture remind you of? Why is it up? What does that make you think of? Maybe there's artwork. Maybe there's a cookie. I don't know. Whatever it is, there's something right in front of you somewhere that appeals to you in some way or you wouldn't have it. Um, And just be with it for a moment. Like, oh yeah, and think about it. Think about it. Oh, I read that book. Oh, that was such a good book. That was so fun. Oh, I love that. You know, just be in that and feel it. You gotta feel it. Um, If you're outside, you might smell something wonderful if you took a moment to notice it. You know, maybe you're walking by your neighbor's house listening to me and you realize they have jasmine on the trellis and it smells, you can get a a, a faint, you know, smell of it. It smells really good. Or maybe you're walking down a city block and you smell cinnamon from a bakery and ooh, it's making you salivate. There's always something. It, It does not need to be epic. In our heads, we go to these epic things. Just something you like in some way that has likely become, you know, the wallpaper in your life, likely just become the wallpaper. You just don't notice it anymore. And what you're doing is turning an ordinary or neutral thing, things that are fine, into a feeling, into a positive feeling. Uh, So these new affirming memories are installed into your brain. And by doing this, you start to take your that skewed negativity bias, because it's skewed, and you're evening out the playing field. And eventually, we're looking to stack the deck towards a calm, happy state of mind, right? We're looking either way. Uh, I've also talked about how we call this thin slicing. Uh, Chade Meng Tan uh, wrote a wonderful book about this. Um, Joy? What's it called? Sorry, I don't have it offhand. I'll try to link to it in the show notes. Um and he talks about thin slicing. Basically, if you're thirsty and you took a sip of water, that you would notice that. You would be like, oh, this water, it's so nice going down. I'm so grateful I have water. Uh, no, I'm so grateful I have water. Sorry, that's too far. But, oh, this feels good. This feels nice. Ah, oh, ah, that feeling. Just being in that, not getting all into the whole big, huge, you know, yeah, I'm grateful for water. There's people who are starving and don't have access to water. You don't have to do all that. Just stay in the moment of like, again, savoring the butterscotch. Right in that moment, slaking your thirst feels really good. Isn't that nice? When you get in your car and it runs well, <laughs> to just think of that, like, oh, I'm so glad. I really, I I tap my car, my car's name is Grace, and I tap her all the time in the mornings, and I say hi, and um, I have a little mezuzah in my car, a little car mezuzah, and I touch that, and um, I 
do a little kind of car prayer in a moment in my car. I just have a little moment of gratitude, appreciation in my car before I, and it takes seconds, but before I take off. And again, you need to install it. You need to feel it. Nothing gets installed without a feeling. So you need to just take a minute and really feel it. And that's it. Just take a few seconds and feel it. Okay. Tip number two, my last tip is to think about what didn't go wrong. Yeah, I know. You think you know, but you don't. You think you're so sure you can see into the future, but you can't. I know, I think I can too, but I can't. So one of the things I do a lot is when I'm driving, I can be an impatient New York City driver, I know, here in California, and I just get impatient. It's one of those places where I'm like, why aren't they using their blinker? And oh my God, they're going 10 in a, in a 25. What's the problem? You know, I get all whatever. And so let's say I'm behind a car that's going a little slower. What happens it, when I, you know, and I try to get into myself is that I remember what could have gone wrong that didn't. So if I had been going faster, if that car hadn't been in front of me, it's very possible I would have gotten an accident. Somebody would have, you know, or maybe I would have uh, hit someone or, or maybe something bad could have happened. So here I am annoyed at this car in front of me, but really they might be saving my life. That person who cut you off, you know, and made you slow down on the highway, maybe even that you, if you had been going faster, an accident maybe could have happened. You don't know. So you think you know, but you don't. But absolutely it could have. They happen. Accidents happen all the time. And aren't accidents all the time just from the perfect, they're a perfect timing. They're a perfect storm. That's so you know, as soon as you change one of the variables, you change the idea. And it's so helpful to me because I immediately, when I do this, it's so nice. I feel better. I feel more relaxed. Every now and then I'm even smiling at the car and thanking them ahead of me. Like, all right, there's a reason I'm going slower. I don't know what it is. I can't see it right now, but there's a reason. But I'm going to give you a really good one right now. So get ready. This is really good. I just did this the other day, a couple weeks ago with a client. Um, we're going to call her Gabriella. My client, Gabriella, we're going to say her name is. She's a 25-year-old woman. She's a young woman suffering from, she has like major anxiety issues. She's had issues with uh, drugs and alcohol. And so in her freshman year in college, she met a guy and we'll call him Fred. And Fred was not a good guy. He was really bad for her. He was, it was a bad relationship and it ended up being, you know, toxic and abusive. And she ended up withdrawing from her freshman year, you know, not making friends, not doing all the things you do as a freshman to have the college experience. She ended up just off with this guy. He was a little older. He was like a grad student. And she ended up just in this little world with him. And basically her drug and alcohol use spiraled, her, you know, mental health issues spiraled. It was really big, bad. And it became so bad that she ended up dropping out of college and she spent the next few years in some form of treatment, you know, drug and alcohol treatment, other treatment, just in and out, trying to kind of find her way. And obviously her life was completely sidetracked, right? From this really bad freshman year. And, you know, this is a young woman. She's lovely. I really enjoy working with her. And she comes from, you know, great home, educated, successful parents, a brother who's doing well. And, you know, now she's looking to go back. She's bright as a whip. She's looking to go back to complete her degree, but knows this might be hard given her age and stage, right? You're trying to fit in with 18-year-old freshmen as a 25-year-old. You know, how do you do that? How do you feel? And it's challenging. How do you make friends? What about all the partying that's happening on campus? You know, it, it's a lot, right? It really is. And 
as you might imagine, she has major regrets about meeting Fred. And recently on the phone, she said, I wish I'd never met Fred. You know, things would have turned out so differently if I'd just done school, if I'd, you know, made normal friends. She feels like she never gave school a chance because she got so off track. Um, and 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 she knows in her head, like, I know it's not healthy to have regrets. Like, I get it. She gets it. But, you know, still it's hanging in there. And so I said to her, you know, the problem with regrets is you, you don't think about the bad things that could have happened or how something that seems bad could have changed your life for the better. Think about this. So what I said to her was, you know, maybe meeting Fred and all that's happened was actually a good thing. So and I said, let me give you an alternate story of your life. So let's take Gabriella. She comes out of so she goes into into her freshman year for business because that's what her fa- you know, her parents have a degree in and that's, you know, the family, her brother did it, you know, so maybe she's going to go do that. And she ends up doing it and doesn't like it. It's not really her. It's, she just kind of picked it out of high school, you know, and this was the next best thing. And people were, you know, telling her, you know, you're impressionable at 17, 18 and sounds like a good idea. So she ends up finishing school and it, and is kind of miserable through school because she really doesn't like her classes. Uh, maybe she took some classes in art and design and other things that she has a real affinity for and loves, but she never did anything with them because she had to do all the business classes. So she gets out and now she has a degree in this thing and doesn't feel like she can quit, right? And maybe her parents are even saying, hey, we spent all that money on your education. You know, you need to get a job. And so she goes and gets a job in business because that's what she has a degree in and gives up anything around things that she her art or her music or, you know, other things that interest her. And she ends up in a job that she hates and doesn't like doing and is anxious about all the time and kind of miserable in her day-to-day life. And now she's invested years, but she's thinking, oh, I'll try it. You know, I, I don't know until I try it. Let me do these jobs. So now she's had a business job for a few years, I don't know, maybe in marketing or whatever. And she now is 30 and has done that for a few years. And maybe she meets someone in the business world. So she gets married and, you know, starts to do that. But this isn't really someone who she would have met otherwise because her interests are different. But, you know, it seems like the next next best thing. He's a good guy. He's fine. So, but do you see what's going on here? And she's miserable in a job. And now she's 30 going, well, I can't pick a new career now. It's too late. I've invested all this time and money into this thing. And now I'm like stuck, quote unquote. And really she could have had a drug and alcohol problem then. Like what better way to deal with your miserable job that you hate and your uh, life that you don't like, but to drink and feel happy sometimes. Uh, Maybe to take, you know, It's a little Xanax at night to help you get to sleep because you're, and you become addicted to that because you're having such a hard time, uh, you know, at night you're, you're perseverating on your job and you're thinking about it and you're ruminating and it's just all negative spiral and you're miserable and maybe you live your life this way. So imagine now you're, have kids and, and maybe you have to go to rehab at 40 and you have all this to lose and you, you're feeling like you, you know, maybe you're getting divorced and you've ruined your life and you're worried that you've ruined your kids and everything else. And maybe someone listening right now can relate because this is the road, you know, she's assuming, and most of us do, oh, if I hadn't done this one thing, if this one thing hadn't happened, then everything would be fabulous. And we don't know that. So at all, I mean, you really don't. And my guess is, no, it wouldn't have been. It's never one thing that changes our lives. It's never one thing, really. I mean, it can alter our lives and shift our lives, absolutely. But 
it, it's it's a many things in our life that shift and alter who we are. So thinking about what didn't go wrong and thinking about, wow, maybe right now, <laughs> I know my life felt like it was sidetracked by Fred, but here I am now at 25. I got no mess, no divorces, no kids to worry about, no mortgage, no bankruptcies, no whatever. And I really get to choose the path in front of me instead. I get to really think about what I want to do, what brings me joy, what brings me happiness. And I can try some different jobs out right now. I don't have, you know, I, I don't have the pressure of having to feed my children on top of things. And I can choose something different. And that's the point. You don't know even when you think you do. So thinking about what could have gone wrong that didn't is a great way. It really helps to shift out of regret, out of negative thinking gain a new, more positive perspective on where you are now. I mean, it helps on every level. Now let's talk about your little gift. So this month, I'm going to be talking so much about, again, how to shift your uh, thinking and how to really turn this whole bus around. And one of the things that is the most helpful in all the research is to get into some sort of practice in the morning uh, even just a few minutes where you uh, meditate, you know, not meditate, where you do some form of something where you go in. So that could be meditation, it could be guided visualization, just a like moments of minutes of really tuning in and setting the path for the day. So, and uh, so many people I talk to say, well, I don't know how to meditate. I can't do it. It's too hard, blah, blah, blah. Well, so I'm the little special gift to start off our month is a, a meditation starter kit. And so in it, I'm going to have a, it's free, it's totally free. I'm going to have a, it's less than three minutes. It's this little thing you can listen to in the morning, a little guided, it's guided. So you don't have to like do anything. And then I'm going to send you a little thing on, it kind of goes with a couple handouts about how to have, you know, what posture you're looking to have. You do not have to sit on one of those Zafus straight up and erect and all that craziness. You really don't have to do that. So I'm going to send you a few little goodies along with that about um, how to sort of be in the moment and how to do it and how it works. Uh, and so it's going to be a little meditation starter kit. That is my love that I have for you. And I promise that doing this this month, I know you've got, it's less than three minutes, this little uh, thing you're going to listen to, less than three minutes. Come on. I know you can start your day with this. And each week I'm going to be giving you other little things that you can add to start to build a practice in the morning that feels good where you have a few minutes before you start your day, every single day that's just for you, where you put, you know, start to turn the ship around and make sure that you're headed in the right direction. So that's it. Thank you for hanging with me. This I, this was a lot of information today. I know it was. I'm hoping you listen more than once to this because it's stuff I really want you to get. I, I love you so much. I love our time together. I appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you. And I'm really excited that by the end of October, you will have truly made significant changes in how you think and how your brain works. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety 
to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.